Thank you. For those wondering about the TA thing, it's TA Emeritus is the official title. I never have to leave, and it doesn't mean anything extra for pay or recognition, only that I can do things for Anna forever. And she would agree. Although, I guess she heard I was speaking and decided to fly to Toronto. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. But such a, such a treat, such a privilege to be here. Uh, again, like they mentioned earlier, for three years I led music up here, and that seems like a lifetime ago now, because it's been a few years since that's been the case, and I'm uh, glad for Andrew, who takes on a lot to do that, and that I get to, uh, to bring a word that I think is timely, hopefully, for us uh, today. So before I get to the text, uh, I want to set the stage a little bit so we know uh, where we're coming from, we all arrive at the same time. Uh, we're in the time of Judges. Israel's doing evil in the eyes of the Lord, which is no huge surprise to those familiar with the time of the judges. They're surrounded by enemies on all sides. Uh, The odds are stacked way against them. And we find this guy called Gideon, who's threshing weed in a wine press so people won't steal his hard work. So he can keep on working without being killed. The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And then Gideon, who's a bit confused by this, his, translation, his response, you could probably translate in a bunch of ways, and I'm not great at Hebrew, uh, but my rough translation is, sorry bro, you got the wrong dude. Um, so it's, pre- it's pretty close to that. And the angel says, no, no, you, Gideon, you're going to save Israel. But my, my clan is the weakest in the nation, and my family's the weakest in the clan, and I'm the weakest in my family. It can't, it can't be me. Needless to say, Gideon not convinced that he is the one for this mighty task. So he asks for a sign. He goes and he gets a goat and makes some bread. He sits on a rock. The angel touches the rock with the staff. Fire consumes the offering. Uh, It's all very impressive. There's some more offering that goes on there. You can check it out in Judges 6. Then Gideon decides, well, that was pretty good, but I'm not... Not quite. Um, Let's do do one more. Um, And this is where we see the... The famous Laota fleece scene. He sets it out, he wakes up, dew is on everything, the fleece is dry, and with a resigned voice, I'm sure, fine, fine, I'll do it. And with that, we arrive in our text today, which is from Judges chapter 7. It says, early in the morning, Jerubal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod, the camp of Midian was north, and the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel will boast against me and say, My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. The Lord said to Gideon, Still too many. Take them down to the water. And then I will thin them out for you. If I say this one shall go, he shall go. And if I say this one shall not go, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And the Lord said, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands like dogs. And the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you. 
and will give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the other. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said, Get up, go down to the camp, because I'm going to give it to your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you'll be encouraged. So he and his servant went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites and the Amalekites and all the others eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than sand on a seashore. You know how sometimes when you have to go into battle and you just have too many people? <laughs> Maybe we don't battle a lot. You know, how, um, you know how when your bills come due and you're like, oh, I've got way too much cash at the bank to cover these. I have never once thought that. It's not how we think, but what we see here is God wants Gideon and us to know that it's by his strength that we see breakthrough, not by our own. When Gideon gets word he's supposed to be the one to save a nation, he says, oh no, odds are not in my favor. I'm not strong enough. My people aren't strong enough. Now I have to have less of my not strong enough people. Okay, uh, getting a little worse. Maybe I have to lose the afraid ones. Well, they were afraid anyway. Okay, wait, you want me to go with the 300 people who drink like dogs, not the people who drink, as I would say, the rational way to drink. <laughs> it's crazy. It's chaotic. It's, it's over. The story of Gideon is pretty well known. And you've probably heard it preached a whole bunch of different times and a whole bunch of different ways with a bunch of different lessons from it. And when you hear it, you might think of great books or great movies when kind of the underdog, it, everything turns it Okay. You might think of movies like Rocky, or Seabiscuit, or The Karate Kid, or Legally Blonde. <laughs> I needed a not sports movie, and that was the best I could do. <laughs> but when I read the story of Gideon, I think of the greatest movie ever made, which is my favorite movie, not the one I would tell you is my favorite but really my favorite movie. And I have, of course, of course, I'm talking about the 1998 Michael Bay masterpiece, Armageddon. Mm. Oh, some of you chuckle, but I consider myself to be a bit of a movie enthusiast. And I've never watched a movie more than I've watched Armageddon. Uh, I wore out two copies on VHS. Now, for the young folk, a VHS is a little magic movie box that we used to have. But I was able to get them cheap because I would go and buy them used at a Blockbuster. And for the younger people, a Blockbuster is a store <laughs> where I used to go to get said movies. So anywho, for the uninitiated, I want to run through what this movie is about. Maybe you haven't seen it. So the premise is this. There's an asteroid the size of Texas which sneaks past a telescope and is going to crash into the world in 18 days. And when it does... Almost instantly, the whole world will be annihilated. It's the end of the world. It's, well, Armageddon. Thankfully, the brightest minds in the world of NASA, led by Billy Bob Thornton, of course, have a plan. All they have to do is they're going to launch, Billy Bob Thornton fan, they're going to launch a spaceship 
They're going to hit the gravitational pull of the moon, slingshot around the moon, land on the back of the big asteroid, drill a hole down, drop a nuclear bomb, take off, fly home, remote detonate the bomb, the asteroid splits in two, and drifts by as if nothing ever happened. And the world is none the wiser. Easy peasy. So the government sends to get the best driller in the world to train these astronauts. Uh, Enter our hero, Bruce Willis. And Bruce travels to NASA to meet these people. Uh, They tell him what the problem is, what their plan is. And he responds with the most rational thing I can think of. Well, drilling's really hard. Um, I can't just teach it. Why don't we just let my friends be astronauts instead of make the astronauts be drillers? (laughs) To which NASA says... Okay. (laughs) So Bruce Willis, his daughter's boyfriend, Ben Affleck, Steve Buscemi, who has a PhD for some reason, (laughs) they all go off into space to try and save the world. They send off two shuttles, one as a contingency plan. One of them crashes. Things look bleak, but they keep going. The second ship lands instead of where it's supposed to land on a plate of iron that they can't drill through, and they keep breaking their drilling equipment They run out of drill bits, and finally they say, well, we failed. Everyone we've ever known, everyone we've ever loved is going to die. It's over. But if Michael Bay has taught me one thing in years of watching movies, it's when all logic says that it's time to quit, the only response you can have is, not yet. They they see another drill vehicle up on the ridge. Somehow, Ben Affleck survived a space shuttle crash, uh, was able to salvage his vehicle, find another vehicle on an asteroid the size of Texas with no navigational system, and came to save the day. Finally, they drill, they get to their target depth. All they have to do is place the bomb and go home. They save the world. Oh wait, the bomb is broken now. Back to defeat. So close. So close. Not yet. Our hero, Bruce Willis, decides that he will stay behind and sacrifice himself to save the world. And that's why it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. But what does it have to do with anything? It's a great great question. It's a great question. I've asked myself that a few times, but what I want to say to you is this. I know what March is like. It's the end of the term. might be the end of the degree. You've got a ton of papers to write. Maybe you have a ton of papers to mark. Maybe you're in pastoral ministry. It's chaotic there, too. It's overwhelming there, too. People you care about die. You bury your friends. People get sick all at the same time. There's conflicts in the church. Some days you show up to the office and you might sit down and think, what am I doing? I should just quit. The psalmist writes, stay with God, take heart, don't quit. When I read the Bible, I see a whole bunch of people that probably wanted to quit. I figure by the second or third shipwreck, Paul was like, "Mm, man, I could probably do something else. (laughs) Maybe by week two or week 22, uh, Ezekiel got a little tired laying on his side, thinking, (laughs) well, this sucks. And on and on, but they didn't quit. They just kept going. All, All logic, all rationality, all experience said quit, and they said, 
Not yet. There are people in the room right now and people in every room that are at a certain age or stage in life or even just season in the year and they think, I can't do it. It's over. The message today is not yet. As long as there's air in your lungs, it's not over. Bruce Willis wasn't an astronaut. He was an oil driller. Gideon wasn't a celebrated warrior. He was really a doter who asked for sign after sign after sign. The asteroid was too big. Israel was too small. I'm too old. Maybe I'm too young. I've thought those things on the same day before. (laughs) I'm not smart enough. My preaching isn't powerful enough. I have a stutter. I work really hard to hide. That one's true too. Maybe I'll never finish my thesis. That one's true too. (laughs) My family hasn't called. My kids haven't come to church in years. The church isn't growing. It's over. Why don't we just shut the doors? Not yet. I'm never going to finish these papers. I might as well just withdraw and go back to whatever I was doing before I came here. I'd thought that before. But not yet. It's not over till it's over. A judge named Gideon with 300 people who drank like crazy people, surrounded by enemies, knew that. Bruce Willis and his ragtag gang of oil drillers in space were surrounded by iron ferrite. They knew that too. They could have quit. They maybe should have quit. But instead they said, not quite yet. We've got work to do. And against all odds, they persevered. Take a look at them now. Israel learned yet again that when God says yes, when God says you win, he sees it through. The Apostle Paul knew it too. He said, forget those things behind you and reach forward to those things ahead. Don't let the defeats of yesterday or the challenges of yesterday define your tomorrow, please. Armageddon's just a movie. I know that. <laughs> it's a ridiculous movie. I know, I know that too. Of course the mission gets accomplished. It's a Michael Bay cinematic masterpiece. But Gideon and Paul and Ezekiel and me and you and a whole bunch of people that you know get to say, not yet, when others might quit. Because we rely not on our own strength, but on his steadfast love. Not on our faith, but his faithfulness. Not on our past or our present, but his presence and his promise. But how do I know? Imagine with me two women walking down the road. As they arrive at their destination, one looks at the other with tears streaming down her face and says, this isn't how it's supposed to happen. I thought we had more time. When they arrive at their destination, they notice the doors open And as one leans in, the first one says, I can't believe it's over. And the other woman leans back with her eyes beaming after seeing linen folded neatly where a body should be and simply says, not yet. Amen.